Um, th there was actually a, t a topic that uh, popped up a lot. Uh, Pablo's uh, kind of the guy that, that manages uh, everything. Pablo and Johnny are managing everything in the background. And he got a, a pretty frequent question. What was that question, Pablo? Uh, there were just a lot of questions regarding other methods and their validity. Like, they, were, they mentioned that they, they, they look at other people's methods profiles and they notice that no, no one in FP really follows them. They're asking if, if there's a reason for that. Is there really nothing they can gain from them? Um, in the industry, there's, there's a great deal of... Do you have trendsetters? But even then, that doesn't really... I was going to say that there's trendsetters and then there's uh, trend uh, followers. It seems like most people are generally you know, following trends. And they're trying to just kind of like fit into some kind of a trend. And but but that said, it's like over the last few years, there are some people that have set trends, like doing like hypermobility type stuff, stretching things, things of that nature. And the the, the problem that I've had with 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 uh, with the app, my problem that I have with other methodologies is not in their theory. So often their theories are on point they'll pick out a certain element of what's important about their movement. Let's say some people are obsessed with squats. Some people are obsessed with, uh, like foot positioning, uh, you know, spine positioning of some sort. And contextually speaking, what they're talking about has some relevance. It's not to say that everything that they're talking about is irrelevant. It's just my biggest concern is like, how far does that concept go? It's almost like in, in science, if you look at in, in like science, most of the time uh, you, you, you either make or break your career by discovering something new or not discovering something new. So it, it's like everybody's trying to find out that next new thing, the next new thing that would appear to be interesting to people. And to me, that's kind of irrelevant. I think the, the, the next new thing should be the next solution for a problem. This is probably the most common question that I get. This is like number one. Be like, what do you think about this method, Naudi? What do you think about that method? Is there validity to what they're doing here? Is there validity to doing what's going on there? The problem is ha that's happened in my life is that if I give um, a green light to one system, and let's say 5% of what they do is good, and 95% of what they do is bad, the general public doesn't know how to discern the 5% that's good from the 95% that's bad. So it's like maybe 5% of yoga is good. Maybe. I, I think on a, on a good day, if you have the right type of yogi, you might get 5% of it that I think would be genuinely like beneficial in the long term as it relates to your anxieties, as it relates to uh, your, your physicality. Um, I, I think that yoga at about a 5% scale would be good. How many people are picking up the 95% remainder on that, on that fairly dysfunctional equation? Very few. So the thing is, if I give somebody the okay and say what they're saying here is right or what they're saying there is wrong, it's like what I'm, what I'm essentially doing is opening the doorway for the people that are in my community who are already being guided down a path that actually works to now go down other paths that I know don't work. Because the people that use these systems. I've seen, like when I watch videos of how they do courses, I'm like, these people have no idea what they're teaching. They're just like, okay, just do this technique, whatever it may be, and then just follow the correct form for what we have and just have 
90 to 95% of the class doing it completely sloppy. You may get a couple people that have like good mechanics that make the technique work, but the remainder of the people are just like, okay, cool. They get a cert they get a certificate at the end of it. Say, Hey, look, here's a certificate of completion. I'm now certified and I can call myself uh, uh, a specialist in this uh, particular training method. That That's what my industry is. So on my end, it's like, I don't give credit to other methods because Functional patterns is about what, maybe 95% good, 5% bad. And I'm constantly touching up that 5% bad that's missing. And quite honestly, functional patterns is probably about 50% good, 50% bad. And I'm slowly chipping away at it to get it to be, it's probably like 65, 70% good, but there's variables that I have to change. I've had even so many times where people will, will be condescending towards me who've who are kind of who are kind of leaning in the direction of functional patterns and they'll just say some of the most condescending stuff to me to be like oh he doesn't know what he's talking about and I'm like bro I'd like to see you on video I'd like to see your movement I'd like to see the movement of your clients I'd like to see your results so then I know that you're actually in the same in the trenches with me because if you're not in the trenches with me then then how can you really say that I'm legitimate or illegitimate it's like most of the time when people see our results, they'll be like, that person's not running correctly. They're not doing this and they're not doing that. And at no point do I say, hey guys, this is ideal running form. All we're doing is displaying progress. That our problem solving is displaying some kind of progress from a starting point. That's all we're displaying. And people take it out of context. They're like, well, you're not, you're, you're not getting everybody to run like Usain Bolt right off the gate. So uh, now what you're doing is illegitimate. And I'm like, how it's like we're just displaying progress on people and the reason that most people on a general basis because this is something that i've challenged people in my field lots of times on is whether or not they are able to produce results like worthwhile results and thus far it's prior to 2012 i never saw any results i you would see the occasional like in textbooks and things like that you would see like occasionals of like a, a child developing with a crazy scoliosis and then it's straightening out from time to time you'll see things like that in books but where you would see something routinely you don't see it recently i'll see it that way and you could clearly tell that people are utilizing functional patterns like methods to get those results i look at the dates of all these things but even with that said when i ask when i probe somebody on getting results they don't have them and there's 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 two different personality types in, in the, well, I, I, maybe I won't go down that route. There's just, there's just the, the most common things that people will try and do to downplay the fact that they don't have results most of the time comes back to one being uh, they don't have the result and they're lying about the fact that they don't have a result. So they'll say, well, I can't show it because, uh, you know, I don't have the discretion from my clients to do whatever. And on my end, I'm like, bro, I train people for free. Like I've trained people for free for thousands of hours. I've probably trained people for free more than any trainer in the history of training. I've trained more people for free and I've used that to be able to like get some kind of like, hey, look, I can get progress with what I'm, with what I'm doing. I can display that. So nobody really has that excuse. So it'll usually be that excuse of saying, well, I have results, but I don't want to show them to you. Or the other one is people will use words to kind of like dance around the, the challenge that I'm presenting to them. So it's... I feel that my industry aims to manipulate consumers and not service consumers. I came into this industry trying to service the consumer. I didn't come in with an arrogant mindset. I came in knowing that I don't know anything. And even till this day, I'm like, I get little, 
I get semblances of progress, but I mean, it's not like uh, my my craft is is. There's so many. It's up and down. Like I'll, I'll make pro progress and then I'll stop, and I have to sit there and contemplate and say, okay, wh what did I where did I go wrong here, 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 and here? Because now I clearly have a plateau with this client. How do I break this plateau? What what mechanically needs to be potentiated to get this client out of their situation? So I. I go through this 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 uh, this step by step process, and generally speaking, on my end, I don't see people in my field going through that step by step process because it hurts. It's very uncomfortable when you have a person that's like, "Dude, I'm in pain, and I don't know how to go out get out of it," and and they're like, "You know, I've already tried everything. I've tried the physical therapy. I've tried the yoga. I've tried uh, the methods that people ask me about all the time. I've tried those methods, and it doesn't work." And quite honestly, I will stick around with you or one of your practitioners until you help me figure this out because I don't want to get surgery. I've already gone the, down the surgery path and I know where that goes. So when you have that kind of pressure being placed upon you and then you're like, you know, I tried everything I know and everything I know didn't work. And now I quite literally have to create something brand new. I have to take it from the ether or wherever it is, or I have to look at biomechanics. Uh, I have to watch video for extended periods of time, I have to sit there and think about it to formulate a solution for this person's problem. And in the midst of that problem, you'll, be, you'll try a bunch of things that, hurt the, that maybe hurt the client even more in a session. It doesn't happen to me very often anymore. I don't really get that to happen hardly at all anymore. Like I, I'm pretty spot on. If I do train somebody, I'm pretty spot on with what I need to do to not hurt the person anymore. But all the times that I've had a miscalculation, maybe one out of 10 one out of 15 sessions, it's like a dagger to my ego, an absolute dagger. It's just, it's so, um, it, it gets me a little bit emotional thinking about all the times that I've had those situations with clients and they're like, you know, we've tried everything for the last two months and we're, we're plateaued. And I'm like, oh God, what am I going to do to get this person out of a plateau? Or I'll have an athlete that I'm training and the athlete is like suffering from a pain for probably you were around with Kyle Dake, he'd have pains for freaking six to eight months. And I'm like, what do we, I'm like, and you see, you, clearly you see that the intensity that I would have trying to address this. For me, it's like a panic button. I'm like looking, I'm going like, that's a ticking time bomb. I'm hoping that that, pos that there's that position that I know Kyle is going to maybe get into in wrestling doesn't happen. And fortunately, Kyle's intelligent enough to avoid that position so he doesn't get injured and he wrestles around it. And fortunately, he's smart enough. Fortunately, he's good of enough an athlete to not get into that position until I can kind of map out what we need to do mechanically to get him out of the, to to get him out of the, the the dysfunction with his shoulder. So even if he so if he hits that position, he will no longer get injured. But going through that step by step process, nobody is doing that. I know this for a fact. I know it for a fact. So you'll have people that talk all this stuff about anatomy, everything that you can imagine, and they're all. In, in all fairness, they're all converging in the direction that I'm going because they look at the results. What's, what's really giving credibility to me and functional patterns is the results. It's kind of like, look, I'm like, if I educate people for five days and, they've, and they, they went through a three-day education with you or with Johnny or with one of our other Human Foundations uh, practitioners, quite literally, they spent eight days with us. They've only spent eight days with us, which really only accounts for about what? eight times five, what do, what do they train with us? Five hours a day, something around that. So if they've gotten about 40 hours of training and they're able to get in 40 hours of training better results than people who've spent you know, 40 years in a given profession trying to fix imbalances, 
you know, that tends to lend credibility to what I'm teaching. And that's where I've earned my credibility is through getting these results. And the only way I get these results is if I actually put myself in the situation of actually trying to like solve the problem. And so I don't see people in my industry doing that. I don't see people in my field doing that. I see them kind of like, Hey, look, let me sound interesting. Let me, uh, let me present what seems to be a new concept, a new uh, uh, perspective on, on training or a new technique. And then I'll, I'll say that I created it. And, and then next thing you know, my, my name is etched in history in this industry because I said something new. Whereas on my end, Pablo, how often do you see me create new things? Uh, yeah, it's on, on a, quite literally on a minute to minute basis. Do I hold on to what I, what I create? No. Every once in a while, I'll be like, ooh, okay, wow. Okay, my sacrum, I've never felt my sacrum like that before. Oh my God, wow, that's a, that's a new sensation. My glutes are so sore right now, did some new things. I'm like, okay, I've never felt that sensation before. I'm mimicking what Kyle Dake is doing. Huh, okay, I'm like, I, I understand why his hips tend to be more instable or unstable. I'm like, I understand what's going on, but um, I don't hold on to these discoveries. I, like, I don't, I'm like, okay, that's relevant. Okay, awesome. Put it in the memory bank because you already know you got to you got about another thousand things to piece together, Naudi. And then after you get those thousand things pieced together, you got about another 10,000 things that you have to piece together later on. And the tenacity to go after that is what I don't see in my field. So that's why I don't recommend anybody else. What I get I I just made a post on Instagram today where I talked about that if you want to learn functional patterns, it's like learning jujitsu. You can't just like, oh, just show me this little technique or this mobilization or whatever, or put your head in this position or put your spine in this. It's like, it's, it's, it's doesn't work that way. That's how Kung Fu masters do what they do. That's uh, people who do Tai Chi or Qi Gong and try and say, look this, I can hit you with the Chi ball. It's the same thing. Right. Whereas I'm like, no, like, you know, I'm taking it kind of like the Gracie family approach where I'm like, no, I'm actually sh telling you that there's a way to challenge yourself and do like to actually like test your methods and prove whether they work or not. And there's ways to like quant, like checking the gate cycle, looking at the, the, uh, the PSIS, looking at the SI joint. These are ways that you can track whether the ratios of the body moving in space are proportional or not, and whether the methods that you're using are really working or not. These are the things that I go through on a regular basis. So really what you're looking at is somebody trying to do things uh, like the right way, which is like going through the step-by-step -step process. Like I, I, don't, I don't discover things. I arrive at things. You arrive at things by conducting tests and, and, and not blowing things out of proportion because you discovered something new. It's like, bro, discovering something new to me is not a big deal. It's really not. I'm a very creative person. I think of new things that are useful. Let me, let me put it that way. Like I can think of a concept and think about a way of saying, okay, the engineering needs to work like this, 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 and this, and these types of parts need to be put here, 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 and here. And they're going to be very minimal. And we'll be able to make a, a tool out of this that will be really effective for helping a person move better. And you guys will see the tools that I'll have in the future and whatnot. So um, this is a really... Um, frustrating question to have to constantly answer. And I'm hoping that, I, that I'm, that I'm kind of like giving you my audience right now, the context they need to understand how, um, how disgruntled it makes me to have to continually answer this question. And it's, it's, I don't, I don't put this on, on the people asking me. So it's, it's not like I, I, I get upset at somebody asking me this question. I, I, I don't blame you. Ultimately it just comes down to that. I'm like,
people have curiosities. They don't know how to discern information yet. And they would like to have me specifically discern what's going on out there. From a legal standpoint, I can't really even do it anyway. Because then at some point, that whole idea of, of defamation of character comes in as well. And I can't sit here and tell you, you know, this person, right, five, six years ago was saying that training in gate was irrelevant and that if you just squat, that automatically your, your gate cycle is going to get uh, corrected on its own. Quite literally, most, one of the most respected people in the industry was saying this. So on, on my end, I'm just kind of like, I, I could go down a list and be like, yeah, this person mentioned slinging, but then they were also doing back squats, like instituting severe compression on their spine, prime, only loading the lockout phase of their, of their squat, but never actually loading the, the, the flexion phase of their squat, as I would, would with the Rev G trainer. We're, we're, we're fixing aspects of the design of the Rev G trainer. I know there's some people that have asked about the Rev G, but the thing is, it's like, there's been so many philosophers in our field and I want to move us outside of the realm of philosophy and I want to start actually having scientists in our field. I don't feel that we have scientists in our field. Anything that relates to biomechanics, I don't see that we have scientists, which is why it's like, which is why you see su such reductionistic views about uh, movement on a general basis. And even if it is somebody looking at the whole body to some extent, when you look at the, the whole body in terms of them actually changing people, they never change people. If you heard some of the stories that I've heard, I'm just like, if you guys knew where like somebody will go to some kind of like certification course and they'll tell a perfectly healthy person, you'll never run again. I'm like, bro, I've been around people where I'll say, ah, you may never run again, but I'm going to, my objective is to get you to run again. Like you may never run again. I've, I've been around people where it's like, yeah, you may never run again. Like it just may never happen. And this, these said individuals, when they go to a course, they see somebody who's healthy and I'm like, and they're telling them, I'm like, these are muscle bound individuals. I'm like, bro, all you got to do is just coordinate all that mass and you can run. It's like, people don't know about those stories. And I can't talk about those stories because if I do, it stirs up so much drama. I don't want to get involved in that. And I want to get focused on actually solving problems. And, and this is part of the problem solving thing because this helps me orient my business. It helps people... Uh, lend trust to me and, and the assertions that I draw about, about the body, about society, upon my practice, uh, how I do things. So really, what, this is part of the problem solving. It's getting my community and the people that are around me to understand where I'm coming from, to understand that I'm like, I'm coming from a fairly reasonable position considering the amount of work I have to put in to get the results that I do. And so this is part of the problem solving. Like I said, it's, it's hard for people to know how to discern information and and often when someone sounds smart, right, it, it's easy Bro. to think they know what they're talking about, but they don't ever have anything to back their claims. And, and you, you know what the crazy thing is? I used to be one of those people too. Like I would try and do whatever I could to sound smart in front of a client. I used to, I used to put people, this is back when I first used to do master courses, I think like six years ago, something like that. I would put people in front of a camera because I'm like, you know what? You need to be able to sell yourself. You need to be able to articulate yourself to a client and so I'd put them in front of a camera so they could improve their, their ability to communicate. And although that, that can be good for drawing in customers, what I found is that the better somebody is at articulating a position, the worse they are at getting results most of the time. It's usually the people that are somewhere in between where they can kind of explain things, but then they're really good with their hands, where you'll typically find solutions to problems. But yeah, that's another thing. You find people that just like, they intellectualize training so much that they forget they completely lose sight of the application because why do people why do people engage in intellectual pursuits 
because you get to, you get to hide behind complexity. You get to be like, well, you know what? Let me just throw this ambiguous word in my vocabulary. And then at that point, I'll hide behind that ambiguous word. And so long as nobody ever calls me out on that ambiguous word, I'll be completely fine. But if I call that person on that ambiguous word, for example, the term strength, be like, well, I do deadlifts and back squats because it helps me develop general strength. And I'm like, first general, and then two, strength. You're going to take general strength. You're going to say that back squats, deadlifts, and bench presses cover general strength. General around what parameters are we talking about? Are we talking about moving in four dimensions? Because if, if we're talking about that, then it's like that destroys the whole conversation. I've been on pod, I was on a podcast a while back from actually a very popular, uh, I was, it was a, an interview on YouTube about, I think, three, four years ago. Um, these two guys that were like real weight, avid weightlifters or whatever, they took the video down, but they started talking about developing general strength. And I said, in what context? Let's bring context into it. And since nobody, since they never got questioned on that, they would just use that term, general strength. Oh, I'm just trying to develop strength. They just got away with it. And then I called them on it. And then it obviously it didn't work out anymore, right? So, so on my end, what I get frustrated with is that people hide behind this idea where it's like, so long as nobody asks me that question, I'll be completely fine. Whereas I'm like, I already know there's questions that people can ask me about training. And guess what I'm going to say when they ask me that question that's really uncomfortable? Where I'm like, okay, that, about something that I'm not accounting for. People are like, now do you don't account for the mechanics on a handstand or a backflip. And I'm like, you're right, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And it's fine for me to say I don't know. I guess it's easy for me to say that because I address like 95% of the problem that really matters. So maybe it's easy for me to say, I don't know, but I don't see people in, in this field saying that. that you get, there's lots of philosophers, man. There's a lot of people who are smart. They're intelligent. And I, I don't think that intelligent people kid themselves. I think intelligent people solve problems. That's what I think intelligent, that's what I think intelligence really is. It's the ability to solve contextual problems. And, uh, and, and then like find new ways, uh, n new, new paths to take situations that were thought to be unfixable and then fix them. That's, I think intelligence has a lot to do with that. And I don't see people in my industry doing that. So that's kind of my dilemma. That's my dilemma. That's why, that's why you see very few people in the, in the, in the industry really wanting to reach out and I can't blame them. Um, I, I know people used to say, now do you know you need to change your tone, all this stuff. And I'm like, I, does it, I, the, the tone that I had when I first started Functional Patterns between the year, uh, years of 2011 all the way to about 2013, early 2014 was a fairly neutral tone. Like I gave it about three, four years. I, I, I had, there was no condescension in anything that I said. And I had nobody reaching out to me from any of the fitness expos or anything like that to do seminars or anything, or even display the unique method that I had developed where it was actually that I was, where I was showcasing results. So I, I tried the whole idea of not being combative between the years of about 2014 to about, uh, late this year, I was like, okay, it was really 2015 to about, uh, uh about midway this year, I took a, pretty combative tone. But most of the time, I don't even take, I never, most of the time when I'd put something up, I wouldn't take a combative tone. But um, I think that people in my field know the underpinnings of what's going on. And I feel that there's like a new, uh, a new, I guess, revolution happening in training. And that 
Um, once the momentum shifts over in this direction, you'll start having people knocking on my door. The, the simple question that I'm going to ask is, why am I going to do it now? I have no interest. If I can already have influence on people directly and I don't have to like go through alternative media sources, there's no reason for me to want to do it. But it's, it all funnels in one direction. It's all going to funnel. People are going to try all the things or whatever, and it's all going to end up converging to what, which is not functional patterns, it's just testing what passes the test. Functional patterns is just, it's, it's just taking uh, testing on, on a regular basis, or testing uh, concepts, and then seeing what gives the result. So it all funnels to the results, and that's what the consumer is going to want. So that's what, that's what I put my, that's what I'm trying to put my focus on, and it's like, as much as I appreciate these types of questions from you guys, from my audience, uh, I, like, I'm, making, I'm glad that I just made this video and I articulated I think I articulated it pretty well, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Or do people have questions in relation to what I'm talking about? Any commentary? No, just, they're commenting sorry. and agreeing for the most part. There are a few interesting questions that I don't know if you want me that to... That relates specifically to this? Or? No, just some other ones. Okay. For the most part, a lot of people are agreeing with you and they're seeing the, these trends in, yeah, and that, in the industry. Yeah, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. People are going to, to start seeing these things because when you mention it, they'll be like, huh. I remember way back in the day, I had a, 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 a buddy of mine. He's not here anymore. He, he passed away a few years back, but uh, he was a trainer. Um, and I told him, I'm like, I'm like, look, this is like, I guess it would have to be, this is prior to, to functional patterns. This was like 2008, I believe, 2007, 2008, somewhere around that territory. And I was like, um, and he just started being a personal trainer and I was training him and showing them the ropes on what, what, what to look for. And I was like, Hey, uh, when you go to the gym, uh, I want you to notice how people avoid the transverse plane of motion. Cause I taught him that. And he was like, and he's like, uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the gym and I'll start showing people some of these rotational movements and whatnot. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I was like, look, bro, this is probably what's going to happen. Just an FYI. And I didn't, I don't think I, I think I related it directly to what he was going to do, but I'm like, this is what happened. used to happen with trainers. It doesn't happen anymore since I think it's like people are, are starting to bridge that gap a little bit easier. I think, I think FP's kind of painted the picture on how to employ the transverse plane easier and, uh, less in a less dangerous fashion. And so I told him, this is what's going to happen. When a trainer goes to the gym, they're going to, at some point, they'll be like, you know what? The body kind of does need rotation. Let me test it out. The person's going to twist and then they're going to lose their balance all over the place. And they're going to say, mm, let me go take it back to the machines. Like that's, that's, uh, what prompted that question? What was it? What was that prompted that, that, uh, that matter? What was it? Seeing trends. People are going to start to see the trends in the industry. Yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll scrap that. I'll talk about that another time. Mm -mm. No, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, man, there's nothing quite like having somebody give you feedback when you're doing something wrong. You can't duplicate that. Yeah. You just can't. Now it depends on the, on the said individual, man. If you, if you have a really good aptitude for, for moving well and like on my end, I have, I think my talent is that I have really good mirror neurons. I can imitate things really well. I can imitate like deep patterns of behavior pretty well. And that's what I think uh, is my, my general advantage in my industry is that like, I can look at something and then think about okay, like imitating it and then make it work. Um, so if you can take that kind of material from the 10-week online course and apply it because you have really good mirror neurons and you're really dedicated, 
then yeah, you can, you can turn it into a better experience than somebody who's kind of like half fast doing a human foundations course. Cause you know, you get those people in human foundations courses, they pop in and they're like, Oh, let me kind of go in here and let me see if I can find uh, some networking opportunities with some people and find like-minded individuals and make friends here because I can't make friends in real life, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, and I'm not, I'm not meaning that in a condescending thing either because I've had my moments where I couldn't find my friends. So I, I think uh, it depends on the individual, man. Some people are going to get more out of the 10-week online course because they have a, a certain aptitude for it and they're more serious about it than uh, somebody else who's like, uh, who's, who's um, you know, does a 10 week online course and they're kind of like into the human foundations, but they're like at the human foundations course and they're not really into it. It's like, it depends on the individual. But if it's, if, if I had a person that's fully dedicated, even if I get that person who's already has really good mirror neurons, and then I put that person into a human foundations course or an HBS course, they're going to obviously get way more benefit out of it being in person. And so, I mean, I'm not going to do online certification programs. I don't think I can. I, I don't, I, ethically speaking, I don't think it's the right thing to do. I, there might be ways of going about it, but you can't teach context. Like there's, there's shades that don't, that you can't account for in front of a cam with the, having a camera. I could be like, Hey, do you see the, the spinal uh, position? You see this vertebra is rotated here and how it's shifted over here. Do you guys see that? Can you guys see the vertebra? And, and like in person, they'll be like, oh, I don't know. Be like, okay, let me move the body a little bit to change the lighting. To account for that on a camera and try and look at that in post-production would take months. You can't just pull that off. So it's like on my end, I'm like, yeah, we have to, this has to happen in person. You can't just be like, oh, okay, like let's just videotape and see if we can get the d dysfunctions mapped out. And never mind that. When, when I go into a, talking about a dysfunction, I'll go about it like in 25 different ways. So I'm like, to put that context into a video platform is just like, it's, I see people right now doing on, wanting to do online certifications and online curriculums. And I'm like, bro, if you're going to actually allow people to represent you while doing online certifications, like you don't, you don't take yourself very seriously. I do take myself very seriously where I think I need to. Uh, but the, I don't think these people take themselves seriously anywhere. So am I like, I, I want to, I don't want misrepresentation, man. That's my biggest thing. And I know at some level people aren't going to like fully exude what I'm like about. They're not going to fully like be what I'm about or even explain what I'm about. I, I don't think it's possible for them for one. But um, with that said, I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure that they get the right kind of information uh, so then they don't misrepresent me because I, I take what I do really, really seriously. I care about my practice very much. So never mind that, man. I'm really concerned about where people are at. When I look at people on the street, when I see them walking around, when I see like, you know, people who are trying to get their workout and they're running and they're trying to stay healthy. And I look at that hip jarring and I look at the, their meniscus just getting like smashed, like and calcified, like thinking, you know, this isn't cool. This is terrible. It, it doesn't make me feel good. I don't think anybody feels good looking at that kind of stuff. And so uh, on my end, it's like I'm doing a disservice to the customer if I'm, because remember, functional patterns is a service-based thing. It's like we're trying to serve the customer, not manipulate people. And so if I make an online certification, I know people would buy it like mad. If I do do it, there's going to be lots of accountability. And let me put it this way. If, you can't get, if I decide to go online, it's because it's going to be, have even more accountability involved with it than less accountability. So if I decide to go down that route, it's going to be even, it will be even more difficult to get certified uh, through FP than not. 
if I do go down that path because I'm going to employ every fail-safe imaginable to make sure that I, that I don't have to deal with some sort of misrepresentation of me, of the craft, of, of, of I mean, everything that functional patterns embodies. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I remember I had studied functional patterns for like three years on my own before I did a course with you. And I was like, I remember thinking, man, I've analyzed Naudi and all his information he's put on online, his power posture, all the videos I've watched like three times over. You had like 700 videos. Yeah. I was like, I've watched him just how he watched Sanders or Mayweather. Yeah. First day of the course, I, mean, I was like, I was like, too. I know nothing. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I, you know that that's that's one thing that happens a lot. Like uh, I had one guy, he was a real cool dude, and he he kind of described it pretty well for not just for for uh, he described it well for a lot of people, um, where it was like you know I had an you know you you find a system, and then you invest in the system, then you meet the individual, and then they either live up to the expectations or they don't. And this guy was like, bro, you went way beyond. And I, that's what I, I knew. Every time I ran a course, I'm like, bro, these fools are about to get lit up. Like, quite literally, the, the, when, I, when I'll start, nowadays people are, are, are expecting it. But I remember when I first started coming in, maybe about like four, four years ago, I'd be like, you fools don't even know what you're about to get into, homie. Like, it's, it's going to be crazy. When you come in here, you, you guys are thinking one thing. Oh, I think I kind of have this figured out. But then I'm obviously, but the intent is not to make them... I, for me, it's just when you see eyes light up and, and they're just like, oh my God, what does this lead to? You just see the dopamine just start seeping through their freaking veins, which with a lot of people, they're like, you know, I don't know what I want to do in my life. And when you see it, it gives me goosebumps. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now. I don't know if you can see it, but it's amazing to get to see a person like uh, go through that. Because, you know, a lot of times people, they they go through an experience of like hopelessness. I felt that. And uh it's, it's really tough, man. Like I, I remember, I don't think if, if I don't think if I would have uh, found this, I don't think I, if I didn't find this path that, uh, I'd pro I probably, I probably would have gone down the path of drugs. I'd imagine something like that, or, um, potentially suicide. Um, I probably would have gone down that path had I not, um, figured this stuff out. And so I, I've seen a lot of students and many students have told me that. And, uh, and a lot of times it's like, um, shit, I was not expecting this. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of students um, come to me and they're just like, dude, I feel like there's an actual, like there's a light and they don't see it. They, they never saw a light at the end of the tunnel. So when they come into the course and you show them that it's, it's really powerful, man. And it's like, it's a lot of pressure to have to like uphold that. Um, but it's uh, it's really an amazing thing to get to watch. So when somebody comes to the course, I'm like, bro, I'm about to just drop it on you. But I'm going to let you know that, dude, there's so much possible. There's so much that we can do. We just have to, we just have to be real with ourselves about how we perceive like our environment, ourselves, about what our situation is. And uh, if we can get that right, if we get that, that, that root of how to, how to behave correctly, it's like there's so much that we can attain as a as a species. There's so it's there's so much untracked territory that's getting tracked right now. And so I, for me personally, it's a really cool thing to get to to uh, to drop that on people. But yeah, it it happens when it's in person. 
it's like it, it won't be the same thing. So that's why I, I, I'm not going to be as available doing courses in the future. I'll probably be there maybe half the time moving forward. So to people that are taking courses with me in the future, I'll be there about half the time because I need help with it, especially next year. Next year is going to be saturated because we still have people flooding in for courses right now. And we didn't even get to do our courses this year. So we got to do one course this year, one HBS. So next year it's going to be like, I'm going to have to try and do twice as many. So the whole thing is I want to make sure that I give people the context that they need. So like it's, so I'm still there like for the full five days for the full time, um, give them all the information they'll need so they can get the results with their clients in the same way. Uh, my, my biggest concern is, uh, is diluting the message. And I don't think you guys are going to do that. I don't think the people that are helping me, um, in this, uh, in this endeavor of, of trying to promote functional patterns are going to like, uh, like not execute. I know they're going to execute cause I'll teach them. I'll tell them what they need to do. They got to go. They got to like, you know, they got to go take, get the bumps and bruises. They got to go through some situations where they're like, damn, you know, I got 50 people, 60 people in front of me and I got to execute this technique. And if this person doesn't get this tech, this, this glute tension right now, uh, what does it mean that I have to do? Uh, you know, like when you have that kind of pressure, like, I'm going to make sure that every single instructor that I have has to go through that meat grinder. I'm going to watch them personally and make sure that they go through that meat grinder to ensure that when those situations come, when you have where somebody is doing a chamber sequence or they're doing a corrective exercise and they're not feeling the tension the way it's supposed to. And somebody's like, you know, I don't feel the tension. And they're like, Naudi, can you figure this out? Because, you know, I've, I've worked with like four or five different practitioners and now I got to come to see you. Four or five people that are good. And they keep, uh, mind you, it's like, these are people that are really good. And I'm like, okay, and now I got to, I guess I got to show everybody that I have the mastery here. I'm like, guys, don't have any expectations. I'm going to do everything I can to execute right now. But geez, it's like, this is, this is a, this is not going to be the easiest thing to, uh, to maneuver. Sure enough, about 95 to about 99% of the time I execute, I get it done right. I have to tweak a few things, but I make it work. Um, but um, I don't want people to lose that context in terms of when people see me spinning my wheels and I'm like, oh, I tried five things, six things, seven things. If you've taken a human, uh, human uh, HBS course with me, a human biomechanics specialist course with me, you know precisely what I'm talking about. Or somebody's like, I try a technique and I'm like, that's not gonna work for them. I gotta modify the technique. Damn, that's not gonna work either because this variable popped up to me. Damn, now this variable, this variable, this variable. And I go through the, the process of elimination until I find out the right technique to get that person's quad, adductor, glute to fire, potentially their calf, their, uh, their thoracic spine. I, I, I have to go through a process of elimination with what I do. And when I give people that context, that's where you see them go, holy shit, you can figure out so much. Like you can, wow, you can actually go through a process this is how you can use science. This is actual science happening. It's really cool, man. I, I, as you guys clearly see, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff, but it's, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, when you're talking about that, you're like, I was not, I'd imagine that's probably what had to have been going through your mind. You, you, you come to the course and you're like, I think I got a lot of this stuff down. You come and you're like, I'm sure it had to be humbling, but at some point in your cognition where you're not thinking, well, how much more is there to this? Did it did it make the job more more or less less or more interesting? More interesting because now I had tools, you know, and actually tools, but more so the the way to think, like how to think about a problem. Uh, yeah, it was exciting, bro. I yeah. couldn't wait to get back to get to work with the clients that I had at the time. There's nothing quite like giving a person a purpose that actually matters. Yeah, bro, because most people are like, find a purpose, find a purpose, and whether it's ambiguous or not. What's your purpose in life? On my end, I'm like, I don't want to just give you, 
like uh, Jordan Peterson would go on a lot about that stuff. And I, I think there's many things that he talks about that are great. But then he'll just say like, you know, you have to find a sense of purpose in life. And I'm like, no, there's a sense of purpose and it has to relate to natural law. And if it doesn't relate to natural law, you're going to hit, you're going to hit a wall. There's just no ways around it. You have to understand how natural processes work. And if you don't understand how those natural processes work, it's like your, 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 your physiology deteriorates. So on my end, being able to, and that's what everybody in FP really does. It's like, they, they don't realize this, but they're giving a person, when a person gets really interested in wanting to fix their body, it's like, you just gave them the fundamental purpose, dude. Yeah. I don't think there's any, I remember one time I, I, where I really, I was really down on myself because I felt like I was, I was just like, you know, I'm just some stupid trainer. That's what I took it as. I'm just some dumb trainer. And uh, I took an edible. This is back when I was in Seattle. And then not to get super hippy dippy on people, but I could literally kind of like see how I could feel the way people resonated. I could feel the, 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 the resonation, the resonance in them. I could feel it to some extent. And then people would talk and I'm like, and I'd have the people generally around me and they'd be talking and I'd be like, wow, bro, what you're saying is so relevant. Woof. That's amazing. And you know, it'd just be like any other thing, but I was like, I was under the, what I feel that marijuana makes you feel is kind of like a sense of, of yourself amplified by 10 times. You're, you're much more aware of how you really feel about something. And so Kathy would say something and then she'd be like, yeah, this, this, and that. And it would be something that we would talk about all the time. But then I was like looking at it from an entirely new perspective going like, oh my God, she's incredible. Like, wow, that's so insightful. This is amazing. And I could see that. And we start walking home and at some point, like, I'm walking home. This is, like, really interesting, but I, we're walking home. I'm completely, like, what I, what I gather, especially if you take edibles, I don't do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm about a year and a half out from using any substances, any psychoactive substances. I, I experimented with it. Uh, it. It proved to be effective. I can go into that another, on another podcast because that's, uh, that's a long tangent. What I feel is that um, when you're, whenever, especially when I take edibles, that I just become hyper aware of what I'm doing, but I'm on autopilot all the time. And I'm kind of just like riding this guy named Naudi and he's like a little machine and he does what he does. And so we're walking home and there comes a point where like, you know, we have to cross the street. It was called Western Avenue in, in Seattle. And every time we'd go out to eat in the evening when I was still eating at night when I shouldn't have been, but um, every time we'd, we'd, uh, we'd be at, we'd be crossing Western Avenue. I remember I would always hold her back. Like, I, like we'd be crossing. It was a one way street that would run this way. And I'd always hold her back to be like, okay, we're good. Let's go. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Like we're walking and we're approaching this, this, uh, this spot. And I'm like, Kathy's going to have to take over unconsciously. I'm just like, I'm here. And then we cross the street and I was like, Whoa, what the hell? That's crazy. You know, that's just like a, a side tangent. But, um, I remember going home later that night and just having like a, even a teaching what I teach. Uh, but it was this night where I was like, man, you're doing something pretty cool, dude. And, uh, essentially what I just kind of gathered was I'm like, you know, I'm kind of like a spark. And what I'm doing is I'm just going, like, you know, the little sparklers or whatever. I'm like, going, I'm like, oh, I just lit that fool up. 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 Sometimes you light up some person that's thinking like, how can I profiteer off of this and whatever and it become competitive or whatever. And I'm like, and I light a spark with them. That spark was already lit with them. And I'm like, and they're just, they're just like, ah, I'm, maybe it's lit up for a minute and they just put it right out. But there's so many people that you touch where you do light it up. And quite honestly, that's what really keeps the fuel going for me, man. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. But anyway, we'll move on to maybe another couple questions. Okay. I'm, I'm rambling. Sorry, guys.
uh, there are some pretty good questions from the live. Yeah, uh, go with it. Yeah, you want to go with it? Yeah. Uh, actually, this was interesting. What did Jock Fresco miss? Is environment everything? You know, I don't know what Jock Fresco could have, could have, he, he clearly did not, he, he, he would allude to biomechanics to some degree, but um, I think what he missed is he doesn't know how to orient a team. He, he, it's like, there's still going to be leaders. He felt that we need to have some kind of a leaderless society and that some machines should be able to figure all these things out for us. It doesn't work that way. Science has egos involved, I, whether there's money or not. What people fail to recognize, and I'll talk about this in, 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 in greater depth later on, but sexual frustration is still going to be a problem. Like we could, we could sit here and talk about uh, classism and, and, and uh, social stratification as it relates to where you are on the economic ladder, but what people seldom talk about is how they relate to each, each other in terms of attractiveness. Most people, most people, if they, could, they would trade their $10 billion to look beautiful and to look young and be able to move again. Everybody would do that. If they had the opportunity, they could get their youth back. They would do it in two seconds. And so there's still going to be egos, even in what you would classify as a type one civilization. I think, I still think that sex is going to be somewhat of a problem. I think, still think that sexual frustration will be there and, uh, and that it needs to be, that it needs to be figured out. And I believe that's kind of what I'm figuring out with functional patterns. I think if I can reform somebody's bones and like, build a, a structure, put a sacrum where it needs to be, put a lumbar spine where it's supposed to be, put a thoracic spine where it's supposed to be so the muscles will form around it to create a more att attractive person, then, you know, that's, that to me is what's going to help resolve that problem. I, I think uh, that thinking about, we, we have abundance of food, clearly. Do we lack food, Pablo? I uh, wouldn't think so. Yeah, I've never lacked food in my entire life. I know people in this country, especially in America, are mostly well-fed. Do most of them have great health and do most of them look, like, very attractive? We don't. Like, we're, we're degenerated, if we're going to be completely honest about it. And so on my end, I'm thinking, what are the things that I have to do to, to address that problem? And this is, like, I, I, I believe, I can't say it's a blind spot, but I think it could be a blind spot that Jock Fresco would have had. Um, I think there's more of them that could have potentially been there. Um, but there's lots of blind spots as it relates to the technical application of, of modifying people's behavior. The only thing that he had to change human behavior wa was words. Like he didn't have other tools outside of words. He understood that humans are animals. Every psychologist understands that a human is more of an animal than it is a human. And that the, the real way that you're going... You, if you look at all those books back in the early 1900s, they all obsessed over the body. Because they're like, you know, the body has impulses. And I knew this a long time ago, a long time ago. When I first started as a trainer, after about like six months, I was like, oh, because I was always very interested like human behavior. And I was like, oh, this is how you can modify the behavior of an organism. If you change its physicality, not from like, oh, I dropped my body fat and now I got more confidence. It's not that. When you change the impulses that lead to anxious or, or, or tranquil behavior, you get a different organism you get a different set of physiological reactions. And then with those physiological reactions, you get new behaviors. And so, but now the idea is how do you take those new reactions and actually make those new reactions better behaviors? That's the whole thing. So on my end, I'm like thinking, okay, if I alter the body language, if I alter the nonverbal communication by creating more cellular expansion, by creating a better tensegrity, so to speak, throughout the body, then the expression of that organism is going to be much different. It will be more adequate for, uh, for, for different contexts. Um, 
and that's one thing that will go on in, in the future. Maybe not for this podcast, uh, stoicism, because then people are like, oh, yeah, people, I've talked about stoicism. People, I won't, get, I won't go deep into it, but eventually I will. But people are like, oh, you got to be a stoic. Stoicism is a context. There's, there's contextual elements to every part of, of a behavior as it relates to body language. So people figure that if I'm going to be stoic, I'm just going to be like this all the time. I'm not. It's like you, like you still have to talk to people. You still have to motivate people. Sometimes you have to yell at a person to really let them know that you care about something. I've had to do that in meetings where I yell at people. It's like, yeah, this is what happens when you run a, a company. Sometimes people are, don't want to listen. And so what you have to do is you have to raise your voice and not be stoic to get the message across. But then when the message is received, the person will be like, dude, I'm glad you raised your voice because if you didn't, I probably wouldn't have paid attention. Sometimes it takes them about six months to a year for them to admit that. But when the time passes and they know that you're not judging them, then guess what? They'll be like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, I'm just trying to get the job done, bro. That's where I'm at. So um, going back, what was I talking about before? Because I was mentioning something. What, what, what was it? What was, what, what was it in reference to? I would, oh, his limitations. I, I believe that his limit, he was limited in, in the, um, the tools that he had to fix problems. And I reached out to them. I wanted to get an interview with them. And he was, I guess he, I, I can't blame him, but they, I think they just thought I was some fitness guy. And they're like, okay, this guy's like just some fitness dude who's like vain. And he just happens to like the Venus Project. That's probably what they gathered from me. And I can't blame him for that. That's just is what it is. But I would have loved to prompt them on some of these questions. I just really wasn't given the time. I have footage somewhere. I, I may have lost it. it Maybe like uh, lost in a hard drive somewhere. Or I may have just lost the footage altogether. Or I did ask him about like five or six questions. And that's, there was a bunch of people around. There was like a kid in there. I didn't want to start talking about like like uh, sexual behavior in front of a kid. Like I didn't want to start talking about like sexual stratification I was like, okay, that's uncomfortable. Had I had Jock by himself, I would have asked these questions, but um, I wasn't going to do that when there was kids around. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable knowing that their parents would be there for me to say something like that. So I didn't ask the questions. I would have liked to. I would have liked to so then I could actually find out how far he had thought about these things. Do I think that he had a blind spot to it? I don't think, but I think he could have been pushed on it a little bit harder. I'll ask you a question from... Uh the ask question you had on your Instagram. Okay. Someone asked it, since you're in Hawaii, are you working with any surfers now in Hawaii? And uh, do you surf now that you are here? No, I don't surf. Um, keep this in mind. Like you guys know, like uh, I, I'm, I was known and I'm not going to be known for this in the future. Cause I, I don't want to become a polarizing figure. There's benefits to surfing in terms of from a mechanical thing. The problem that I have with surfing is that there's no uh, uh, oscillatory motions in the legs, meaning that the legs don't like, they don't split like this, right? And they don't go like this. So if you don't have your legs moving like that while you're rotating your trunk or moving your arms or generally hitting positions with your body, essentially what you're doing is you're just like, you're taking all the motion that you're not getting into your legs and moving it into the hips and the lower back region, potentially the knees, depending on what your style of surfing is, whether you're, if you're more power oriented on surfing, you're probably going to be more hip dominant. If you're more like graceful and smooth, it might be in the knees and you may end up having like knee problems and whatnot. So it depends. Some of them end up having foot problems. Um, from what I've found though, is that, um, I'm not too keen on surfing. I don't think it's like, if you do it every once in a while, that's fine. But the problem that I found with people who surf is that they have, they clearly get an addiction to it. And the problem is that addiction to it. I mean, for one, when you're standing on it and you're doing everything that you're doing on it, it, it like it, it exacerbates the motion that you're going to get in the, in the, the lumbar spine and the hip joint. And, uh, depending on the style, like in the knee joint, 
Um, but never mind that. When you're, when you're laying prone and you're paddling into the wave and you're in a constant uh, cervical hyperextension like this constantly and you're paddling or you're exerting force while you're there, you're essentially t telling your C1 or your atlas vertebra to just misalign itself and then have, having your nervous system uh, uh, induce faulty communication all the time. So on my end, I get concerned about surfing because it's like it's it programs a lot of bad habits in. Can you do it every once in a while? Potentially, I have no interest in it. I'd rather I have more interest in just going to the water and uh, and then uh, recharging my body. That's really what it is. Getting the ions if a wave crashes, like breathing in the the, uh, the air that comes from that feels really nice. That's my objective. Um, but yeah, that's I'm I'm not. I have no, I genuinely don't really have interest in, in training surfers or anybody who's doing any like board sports, whether it's snowboarding or whatever. Uh, skiing might be different, but it seems like skiing has similar dynamics. I guess cross-country skiing would be a different thing potentially, but they're still like, I, I don't know, man. Exercise is, is a tough thing. Um, hobbies are a difficult thing. They have some realm of application. They have, they have their advantages or benefits, but it's like, what's the perfect activity? Basketball seems to be up there, but then you got to wear basketball shoes and then you have to move around like these shoes. Like, like you wouldn't take those sharp cuts. Maybe you'd be playing basketball on grass. How would the game change then? Um, you don't throw that much in basketball. Like functionality, I guess, is a topic that we can discuss another time when I'm probably more, uh, more well-rested. I, like I, I was watching uh, Joe Rogan today. Today was the first day I heard... Uh, uh, a full podcast of it because mostly I just I eventually like about an hour and a half in I usually just zone out I'm like I tune out I'm like I can only I don't know how they talk as long as they do I don't know how they do that I think there's a reason that you know people have to use substance in order to keep speaking because <laughs> it is hard to do this and right now I'm already getting a little bit fatigued myself which is why how long have we been recording for yeah, so I, about an hour is about as good as I'm going to be able to do, guys. I'll, I'll field one more question, and then I'll, I'll close one it out. One last one. <laughs> I think this is a good one for a closing out question.